Super Talk Mississippi media production. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. I appreciate you joining us as we continue to celebrate all the people who are working so hard to make Mississippi such a great place uh, to live, work, and play. I've got a I've got a really beautiful quote that will uh, will apply to some extent to the conversation we're going to have today. But I have uh, I have mentioned many times. I actually I I've gave. Uh, quotes that are shared quotes that she has shared many times at the beginning of this show. Uh, my friend Stacy Waldrop, one of the one of the most positive people who that I know. Um, but as the as the show went on, and I started sharing more and more quotes and more and more um, sayings that can you know people can live by. People started sending them to me from all walks of life. So I got this wonderful collection. Of them, and then on top of that, you hear me talk about this regularly. I have a history book that I get every morning, a digital history book that gives me important moments in time for that date, and uh, and I get so much from that. And what what I find about those quotes and those situations is that a lot of times I'll recognize it or remember something about it. What it does is it creates a lot of exploration for me. So I'm I'm as you know about me, I'm a human sponge. So. Um, I believe the more you learn, the more you better learn how much you don't know. So I have this thirst for knowledge, and I I find myself going down these paths that that I'm that these uh, th- these historic moments create for me that that remind me about history, and in some cases maybe teaches me something that I've never heard before. So as a former newspaper publisher, you know that's something that I felt was important to to constantly be learning and to be humble about what I actually knew. Uh, but anyway, here's a quote that Stacy shared. It's um, it's by Sonia. Tackley, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. The most beautiful people I've encountered had nothing to do with what they looked like. Everything to do with how they made me feel. Everything to do with how they made me feel. Um, Isn't that true, though? You think about some of the most important parts of the relationships you have with people that, that you care about and that you encounter and how the ones that you look back on in a positive way, you you. You know, they made you feel good, you know? Um, someone said to me early in my life that, that you should always focus on helping others feel like they're more important than you are. I think if more people would sort of address life that way, you would be amazed at the relationships you would gain and the conversations you would create. And then um, you would make your contribution to ha- you know, giving people that impression that it's everything about the way you make others feel. So anyway, Stacy, I really appreciate you for, for sharing that. Hey, listen, over the course of the last couple of weeks, actually, I, I, should go, I can go back further than that, the last few months, it started with a conversation that I had with, uh, with my friend Paige Roberts from the Jackson County Chamber. 
you know, Paige is someone she work, you know, she's the executive director there. She believes the role that a chamber plays is in community building, and that can come to fruition in a bunch of different ways. It can be supporting businesses. It can be working with Mayor Knight over in Moss Point in the aftermath of the tornado. It can be working with Singer River Health Systems on issues around uh, mental health and the the teen suicide challenge that we have. Not only not only here in coastal Mississippi, but across the state. So we've had a number of really, really important conversations to learn about why it's important for us to focus on mental health. Um, you may remember, too, and I've certainly mentioned it with, in my, my more recent conversations with representatives from Singer River Health Systems, but my conversation with Paige and Emma Benoit, the young uh, woman who is a suicide attempt survivor, and and the the work that she's doing to touch others to tell her story. It's an amazing important. It's amazingly important story. She suffered a spinal cord injury, but what she's doing to really inspire others now. I mean, cannot be understated. In, in fact, in this upcoming mental health symposium that's going to be coming up this Friday. We're going to be talking more about that here in just a second. But she's the featured speaker. I look forward to being there and joining her. As we as a community continue to, to focus on a really important initiative by Singer River Health Systems, uh, a mental health initiative, and lots of different things that are going to be rolling out of that. So we're going to talk more about that today. And I'm just real pleased to, to, uh, to be joined by Dr. Roger Ridgway, who's a psychiatrist, and uh, Ashley Pearson, who's a licensed clinical social worker, and two people that I really look forward to uh, chatting with. But anyway, without any further ado, Dr. Ridgway, how are you doing this morning? Good, Ricky. Thank you for having me on your show. And uh, just excited about this upcoming event this Friday and uh, to share messages and be as informative as we can to help the community and help folks that, uh, you know, have a lot of questions for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and actually, um, Welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Thank you for Ash so Ashley, what do you do? Tell me about what you do. Okay, so I am a licensed clinical social worker in private practice um, in downtown Ocean Springs, and I see a population of adolescents to geriatrics, um, ages fifteen and up. Um, and I see I specialize in addiction but I do a lot of co-occurring disorders, so both mental health with an addictive disorder. Um, and I'd say probably about 75% of my practice right now is strictly mental health, not, not addiction-based. Yeah. Um, and I've really seen, um, since the pandemic especially, a surge in adolescence um, with depression and anxiety. A lot, of, a lot of people coming in looking for help um, younger and younger, and focus more on mental health than the addiction um, than the addiction stuff that I treat. So that's that's kind of been um, it's just it's been different. It's been very different. And so, Dr. Ridgeway, tell me tell me about your practice. What what you, do you have a specific focus and tell us what you do? Well, uh, you know, I primarily focus on outpatient psychiatry, seeing folks for evaluations uh, for anything from major depressive disorder, anxiety disorders. I see a large population of sleep issues and insomnia because much of that is, you know, sleep is inhibited by many of our mental health issues that folks are dealing with today. And, uh, you know, 
she mainly ages 18 through geriatric population. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, let me let me share something. I shared it on the past show, but I'll, I'll share it with you and, and kind of get your response to it. I think after Hurricane Katrina, um, we all came to appreciate that we didn't, we, we, you know, we thought we were working hard before, we thought we were th- thinking hard before, and then suddenly Katrina hits, and it literally changed the entire waterfront on how we view these things, how we view stress and our ability uh, for the human spirit to sort of endure and become resilient through that. We had a full-time psychologist who worked at the Sun-Herald for full-time for like six months after the storm. Because imagine, 67 of our employees lost everything they owned. Some lost family members. Our reporters were out seeing some of the most difficult situations you can imagine. And um, the, the one day I was having a conversation with the psychologist that we hired, and she says, let me give you a simple way to think about this. And let us I'll just get your reaction to it, Dr. Ridgway. She said, "Think about that. Half of society. Don't, don't, don't worry with the percentages here. The point is going to be very clear. The half of society is near, near or on the edge, meaning that they have addiction issues, they have financial issues, they have issues in marriage or relationships, or maybe they're stressed out at their job. You name it. They have all those issues. So that's where they are." And then uh, she says, so imagine Katrina hits. Now all of them are now over the edge. And they have some form of need, whatever it might be. We have to assess that. And the 50% that's left, uh, some of them are also over the edge. And and the rest are probably on the edge. Very few people are not near the edge after Hurricane Katrina. And the point that she was making, and I see see you nodding, Dr. Ridgeway, is that that we, we all have a stress point. We all have a moment when when we all going to need some help. And uh, one of the things I think, you know, what came out of our, our experience is that we need to destigmatize the, the whole issue of mental health. But why don't you first respond to the fact that, that when you, when you, when a community gets challenged, everyone has needs. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, community needs, I mean, it on a global scale uh, and, you know, when you see your entire infrastructure disappear overnight and, uh, you know, how, how to move forward after that and, and how to take a step, how to find shoes on to put on in the, you know, in the morning and, and to, to take steps forward. And uh, it is extremely dramatic. And then you have a critical mass of individuals who are now in crisis and, we love to be solution focused, but you're right. We need to continue to talk about mental health because we're on the cusp, uh, you know, with all the, the societal challenges that we have. And, 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 and that example being simply Mother Nature. Yeah, to right. Community that was used to seeing hurricanes, but nothing as devastating as that. And uh, I felt it on a personal level. You know, my folks lost their home as well. Yeah. Hey, we'll we'll pick it up from right there on the side. Nashville, I'll give you a chance to respond. And then we'll bring it back to someone's, just someone's life and something that might happen in their life and how it affects them and how needs can be created as a result of that as we continue a conversation about mental health in coastal Mississippi. We'll see you after this break. 
passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizen Bank Studio. As I said, as we started the show, what really got our attention around the issue of mental health is the number of teen suicides that we were facing. Um, three, three tragic stories, not just three, but three in Jackson County more recently that got a lot of people's attention. And, um, and, it, and, it, and when, you, when you begin to focus on that, you start to think about mental health capacity in the community. And, you, and I was struck by what, what, uh, what, um, what we discussed in my conversation with Dr. MJ and Angel about um, we don't have enough capacity. You know, that's, one, that's a whole other conversation. But the reality is we don't have, when we find people who have mental health needs, we don't, it's, it's hard to find the capacity to help them. But, but then you start to think about what does it take for a community like ours to thrive as it relates to mental health? And it's something we need to be more focused on, mental mental. Uh, wellness is something that that I think would make a community better. It is a it is a situation that makes a community more resilient. We know a lot about resiliency in the coast of Mississippi, and when we went to break, we we're just talking about how we all learned a lot about this after Hurricane Katrina. But it, it doesn't have to take a Hurricane Katrina to cause someone lives to lives to be turned upside down. And we're, we're going we're gonna to bring this down to an individual level here in just a second. But but before we go any further, we had Dr. R- Roger Ridgway, who's a psychiatrist, and Ashley Pearson, who's a licensed clinical social worker. Ashley, I'll give you a chance to sort of respond to the experience we had at the Sun-Herald. And then you, you, you can transition us into the relationship between that and really just anyone's life and what and big events that might happen that cause them to have needs. So uh, what were you referencing as far as the Sun-Herald? Yeah, the, the fact that that's, we had a psychologist on, on staff for six months and what she said about 50% of society being near sure. the edge, you know. And, you, you know, you're seeing that more and more and more that it just, you know, you don't know what the person next to you is going through. Um, you know, and somebody might be on the verge of, you know, it. The need for kindness and destigmatization, you know, ization of allowing it to have open discussions about mental health. Like, you know, it's just as normal as going to a checkup if you, you had a physical illness. Um, you know, keeping things in check and being open and honest. And I knew I've been a therapist. It'll be this is my twenty fifth year, and I've been in therapy myself for thirty seven. You know, um, you can do the math because it's just it's important. It's part of self-care. And, you know, I'm I'm here to show like it doesn't discriminate. You know, I mean, I was diagnosed with anxiety when I was 10. I've always been a highly like anxious person and I consider myself a a work in progress. But, you know, I I look forward to my therapy sessions every other week just to kind of keep my own stuff straight from, um, you know, the stuff, the heavy stuff that I'm dealing with and so that I can be effectively more there for my clients. But I think that, you know, it just goes to show that just like anything, mental health just does not discriminate. You know, Dr. Ridgway, how often do you find yourself with, with a client or say a client, a, 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 a patient or however you refer to them and you say, gosh, man, if they would have just come 
a year ago. You know, they wouldn't be having the issues that they're having today. That Do you find that th- some of these issues just kind of pile up and if they would have learned how to deal with it, learned some process on how to sort of think about this themselves, that they've been a better situation? And, 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 I, and I think you're making a good point, Ashley, that oftentimes we don't look, think of mental health the way we would think about going to an annual checkup. Sure. But how do you how do you talk about that, Dr. Ridgway? Yeah, you know, in outpatient psychiatry, which is a different level of care, we we're typically not used to seeing folks in imminent crisis. But right. now we're getting more used to it because some of it's just simple education. Psychoeducation is a big part of my job, and you know, uh, opening up conversation and defining terms. You know. I had a guy in the office the other day describing somatic symptoms of what he was feeling. And and I I said, well, that's what we call anxiety. And he said, is that what that is? Okay, there's a name for it. He said, for the last 10 years, I didn't know what that was. And, uh, you know, it it can be challenging when you meet someone for the first time in crisis, because that's typically not a level of care we see in the outpatient sector. that an emergency room would see. Yeah. I'll share, I'll share a quick story. Um, I've shared this before, but it's worthy of mentioning here. Um, I had surgery back in the 1980s and after the, after the surgery, I had a very severe, um, uh, not an epileptic attack, but a, what am I trying to say? A seizure, a seizure, a seizure. (laughs) seizure. Very severe, and um, ended up in the hospital for seven days, and lots of brain scans, and you know, you name it. Um, what they did ultimately, though, they treated me as if I had epilepsy because they couldn't really figure out what was going on. Um, as as I, I was very lucky, in fact, at the time I was in a, a pretty intense training program at the Sun Herald, which involved me going to Columbia, South Carolina, for three months. And while I was there, I, we, we had done some checking before I got there. But while I was there, I went to, to the neurology center at the University of uh, South Carolina and met with a, a neurosurgeon. His name was Dr. Julian a- Adams. And um, he did an assessment. And what he came to appreciate is that I don't have epilepsy. But what I have is a hypersensitivity to narcotics, and the response, my bodily response, is a seizure. So he said, you're going to have to wear a, um, a, something around your neck, making sure doctors in the future and emergency scenarios don't give you any narcotics. You will make a terrible drug addict. But, but what led me to him was this. I would have, I'd get dizzy. Like if you get up too fast and you feel dizzy, I mean, it's normal to feel that way, right? Right. But what would happen is... It would trigger anxiety. I would feel like that feeling just before I had that bad seizure. I would have the feeling like I'm going to have it. And then anxiety would kick in. And I would get scared to death that I was about to have a seizure, even though I wasn't. I I didn't know what it was. I didn't. And I had it two or three different times. You know, this lack of control, this feeling like. I was about to have a seizure, and the process of me trying to whatever I was doing psychologically to try to control it was causing just tremendous anxiety. And it was becoming a little debilitating, to be honest with you. And so when I met with Dr. Adams, one of the things he said to me was, 
You don't need medication to treat this. What you need to learn is a process to go through so that if you, first of all, you have to convince yourself this, you're not going to have another seizure. Okay, get that, you just got to get that in your head and then go through this process to, to learn to understand what was going on. And you know something, Dr. Ridgway and Ashley, I never had another anxiety attack after that Wow. from that point forward. Terrific. But I did learn what anxiety was. And my personality type, type A personality, went on to be a CEO, you know, massive amounts of, of uh, responsibility and need for control and all those things. I came to really understand myself better through that whole process. And it made me much more empathetic <clears throat> to people who were going through similar situations. And anxiety, Dr. Ridgway, it can be completely debilitating. There's no doubt about it. And it's, you know, I'm happy to see more and more folks in the limelight talking about it. You know, specific, I'm a big sports fan. So when Kevin Love came to light, uh, you know, he's on the basketball court in the middle of a high profile game and said, what is going on? And uh, after getting checked out by his primary care physician and, uh, you know, it, it led to he was having panic attacks and severe anticipatory anxiety, which is a, a classic sign of that. And uh, he was open arms, willing to work with a therapist and how to control that. And as he was educated on that, he he knew exactly how to deal with that. And now he's speaking more about it. So yeah. but it can, it can bring you to your knees and it. In, in an instant. It's the ultimate yeah, fight. It's the ultimate fight or flight feeling, just right. shortness of breath. And, you know, just, I mean, it's a, it's a very difficult thing, but having personally experienced it, I can really appreciate what, what others are going through when they, when they say, you know, it's not, it's, it's perfectly treatable in most cases but people had to really come to grips with it and understand it and get counseling around how to how to lead themselves to a process where they won't find themselves in a situation where they're fearing some inevitable thing to happen that's probably not going to be happening. Ashley, did you want to add something to that? No, I was just going to say, you know, it's really easy, like when to, you know, when you get into that mode to kind of catastrophize and let your brain go all the way places that it usually doesn't even end up happening. Um, and so maybe like trying to learn how to halt that. And it seems like that's what your doctor worked with you on, um, that anticipatory anxiety, um, and then dealing with like rebound anxiety and stuff like that, like after the attack. Yeah, so <clears throat> really. I mean, again, <clears throat> everybody has something going on. You just everybody. never know. It. One of the things about, about social media, and we'll talk about social media when we come back on the other side. One of the things about social media is that people come across confident and attacking. And what's behind them may be incredible insecurities. You just never know. Extremely so, fragile egos. Extremely it is. Fragile. It is. It is a. Yeah. It is a tough world we live in. Hey, we'll come back on the other side. We'll continue our conversation with uh, Dr. Roger Ridgway and Ashley Pearson, who is a clinical social worker, and we're just going to continue the conversation about how do we create better mental wellness in coastal Mississippi. We'll see you after this. you why we all love living in this great state of Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. I'm thrilled to have uh, Dr. Roger Ridgway, who's a psychiatrist, and uh, Ashley Pearson, who's a licensed clinical social worker. And we're just talking about improving mental wellness in in uh, in coastal Mississippi. And we'll in this final segment, we'll kind of zero in a little bit more on this mental health era event that's going to be taking place on Friday so you can have some critical information about that. But they've really so they put together a great panel. It's going to be a terrific conversation. As I mentioned, Emma uh, Benoit will be a featured speaker, and uh, Angel Myers uh, McElrath is going to be an MC. So it's going to be a terrific event. I plan to be there myself. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's have the conversation about social media because listen, the more I see, we can certainly talk about it as it relates to young people, especially teenage girls, and the impact that it's had. The science that's out there about this is just overwhelming, but it's not just them; it's it's all of society, but specifically young people and where they are in their lives. It's really hard to watch technology kind of change people's lives in such a negative way when uh, when the solution to that is probably not letting kids get on social media sooner, but for whatever reason, parents are not embracing that the way they should. What, what's your experience, Dr. Rod- Ridgway? Yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things where too much of a, what could be a good thing can really turn detrimental. And, uh, you know, words hurt and there's, uh, and, and we could, we could even do a whole segment about bullying, but when you, when you are there with tech, technology and some of the cyber bullying that, you know, will probably be mentioned this week, um, is just part of it, but also the perception of others on other people's lives, it really is, is untrue you know folks uh who post things and other folks feeling like they have to live up to those things and uh which as you know as angel said in prior segment is that uh it's it's a highlight reel of of that person's life and maybe a very (laughs) minuscule of sliver of of you know what's going on so yeah actually what would you add to that um, I mean, I see it so much all the time, and it's not really just an adolescent phenomenon. Um, I mean, I like to think that I'm fairly mentally well-adjusted, and I mean, you do compare your so your insides to other people's outsides, and I think a lot of times it's on a like subconscious level. People aren't even aware that they're doing it, but you know, I mean, I found myself a Facebook. Um, you know, started out as a good thing, you know, keeping up with people from high school and college and that kind of stuff. And, you know, and then I got to the point where, I mean, and this is embarrassing, but, you know, I don't mind throwing myself under the bus. Um, you know, like <laughs> I'd be looking at the post and like thinking, oh, really, mother-in-law, you're going to like her picture, but not like my, I mean, how ridiculous, how ridiculous, but it's like, or, you know, it's just impossible not to compare yourself. And I have seen that with adolescents, especially the, um, the younger they are, that they have access, the more apps and the more me, uh, social media that they have, um, is directly correlated to the amount of anxiety. And I think about it so much so that if I ever went back to get my PhD, I would do my dissertation on it. I mean, this, this, this research would write itself. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, I see it on people like, like myself in their forties that, Oh, you know, Facebook or, you know, Twitter, that's something that doesn't get to me. Well, 
you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Because I felt like I was back in middle school. Like, you know, why am I, you know, addressing things like this? I mean, this is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, it is. It is. People are wanting to put the best versions of themselves forward. And you don't see... You don't see the real life, and then no. what? What happens when they when the real life when the real life gets sort of discounted, and they only see themselves in that positive life, and they're not dealing with their real life? That's when we start to really see problems. And and young girls, I mean, when Emma Benoit tells her story, here's a kid that was on top of the world, and you hear that a lot, don't don't you, Doctor Ridgeway? You you assume you, the most. Kids that are active in school, that are involved in everything, but what's happening in t- inside them, they don't feel like they can make anybody happy. And and then we get just terrible consequences from coming, in some cases, from thinking that way, don't we? It's true. You know, kids this day and time, obviously, just a lot more pressure, a lot of attention being paid to things that, you know, when we grew up, uh, probably not, not as not as important, you know, and, right. uh, in social environment, societal depictions of, uh, being everything at, to everyone. Uh, it, it's just, it's really unhealthy for the community, especially for young kids and adolescents. Uh, and we have to promote mental wellness and saying that, uh, we have to, uh, you know, accept all the parts. So we could be the best teacher, we could be the best athlete, we could be the best executive until we're not, right? And then when we're not, we have to be willing to accept that and know how to cope with that. Yes. So, hey, Dr. Ridgeway, give me a sense of the, the difference between psychiatry and psychotherapy. Yeah, it's a great question. So psychiatry dates back uh, way back into probably the 18th century, where we started to develop interest in the biology of the brain and how that affects behavior and mood. Now, back then, neuropsychiatry was one specialty, and psychiatrists did both biological treatments and other treatments, surgical treatments even, but also engaged in analytical therapy. And now we, as we progressed, you know, over time, therapy focuses solely on some of the behavioral techniques and, um, you know, psychological aspects of treating mental illness and uh, evaluating for such without really addressing the the medical side, the biology behind that, you know, and, and they do overlap at times. So what, what are, if, if, if so, does anyone ever just stay, say straight up to you, what are things that I could do in my everyday life that would promote mental wellness for me? You know, do, do people ask you that question? All the time, all the time. And, and I respond, how important is this aspect to you? Because we can give a lot of homework. Ashley can, can vouch on this, uh, but action, you know, changing our lives, making a change in your life. I mean, I have to say it is a hell bent decision, you know, and so there's many things we can do and, and, and 
first and foremost is accepting that we need to focus on that. And then going from there, you know, exercise is a natural antidepressant. I tell folks that all the time. Uh, and that doesn't have to be running three miles a day, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, listen, Robbie D'Angelo, who's kind of a human optimization coach, he used to be involved in just helping people with physical fitness, but he got into sort of the mental side of things and he's doing really good with his career these days. But he gives a lot of people focus on how to, how to look inside and outside. And what he says is, just go walk. Just get outside and walk. Drink a lot more water. People, as a general rule, don't drink enough water. And focus on and learn how to sleep better. And then for, as you start to explore all those things, then you'll start doing more exercise and you'll find healthy ways of eating and you'll start to think about what are the things that get in the way of my sleep and you'll start to sort of think about that and how, how things in your life might affect that and I mean, it just it just starts to open up an opportunity. But I like the way he talks about it because he says you don't have to just go out as you pointed out and run three miles. You can you can take a step, but take th- go ahead and take that next step and stay committed to it. Over time, it will really the benefits will really begin to weigh on you physically and mentally, won't they? That's a, that's true. You know what we used to believe is that if we get our minds right then we can start to progress into action and exercise and all those things. But what we're really finding out is if we start to move, our brains will start to activate and things will get easier and things uh, will handle stress just much better. So, Yeah, that's great. Ashley, what do you have to add to that? Well, you know, I think it's just about like, you know, not necessarily like waiting for um, something major to happen um, to cause a depression or to cause anxiety, but in everybody's toolbox looks different. You know, what might work for some, we know like, you know, research has shown that like exercise definitely like boosts serotonin and, you know, gives you some of that like feel good chemical, but you know, sometimes journaling works for some people. Um, and, you know, self care, like I, you know, I do yoga as part of my practice, seeing my own therapist. You know, and just coming up with a toolbox that works for me. Okay. Rather than waiting. I've really enjoyed this conversation. When we come back, though, we're going to get very specific about the mental health initiative for Singing River Health Systems and what's coming up on Friday. We'll see you after this. Matthew show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthew show from the Citizens Bank Studio. I'm pleased to have Dr. Roger Ridgway, who's a psychiatrist, and Ashley Pearson, who's a licensed clinical social worker. We'll spend this last segment just give I'm gonna give you some quick details. Um, the 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 mental health initiative for Singing River Health System is playing out in a bunch of different ways, but one is this mental health era event that's gonna be taking place on Friday. 
Uh, doors open at 7.30. There's going to be a breakfast networking. Panel discussions will start at 9. That's at the Hard Rock uh, Hotel and Casino, $25 a person. And, uh, you know, it's got, there are several aims. We're aiming to foster open uh, conversations, reduce stigma, and build a supportive community for those affected with mental health challenges. There's going to be panelists, physicians, and mental health professionals, and individuals, and uh, crisis management, and grief, and preventive care, anxiety, and depression. It's really covering the, the waterfront. And, of course, I mentioned that Emma Benoit, who is a Louisiana native, is going to share her inspirational story of triumph following the tragedy of, uh, of a suicide attempt that left her with a spinal cord injury. And she is a real, she is a real inspiration. I'm deeply touched by her story and by her light, her, the light that she's projecting, the light of hope that she's projecting these days, really, really important. Um, so you guys are going to be involved in this, Dr. Ridgeway. I, I mean, it's anytime that you can reach out to the community and focus in these ways that's a good day for your for your profession, isn't it? It is, and I uh, just appreciate us having this opportunity, having this platform, and to do that with an awesome keynote speaker. And Emma Benoit had the privilege of seeing her speak three or four months ago, uh, and it, she's amazing, articulate, uh, and we're going to be informative at this at this event. So. You know what's striking about her story is the moment she pulled the trigger. She knew she had made a mistake. Mm. Absolutely. And she says that she didn't, well, didn't try to kill herself per se, but trying to relieve the burden on others. And the story that she tells today about it's okay to be vulnerable, that vulnerability is a strength, and teaching about that, and, and how that sort of eventually evolves into a story of hope. How can, even in your profession with what you've seen, Dr. Ridgeway, you even personally have to be touched by her this this light that she shines this hopeful light that she shines that we can hope inspires other young people absolutely you know to to be there and uh, you know and for her to go through this and to to you know continue to work hard in her endeavor to try and walk again and and be there to be an outspoken person on this issue and, and really just imminently saving lives, folks resonating with others and uh, introducing this idea of Hope Squad, which, you know, what we'll be talking about there and how to get connected uh, from an adult and adolescent standpoint and to decrease and intervene or decrease suicide. Yeah. Uh, you know, and intervene early. So Hope Squad is so powerful. Ashley, uh, you got to be pleased to be engaged in this as well. I'm very pleased. I mean, any day that we can talk about mental health in an open environment that just fosters more knowledge um, and leads to, you know, decreasing that whole stigma is a positive day. Um, and I can't wait to hear Emma speak. I've never had the opportunity to hear her speak before. So I'm really looking forward to hearing um, another Louisiana native uh, share her story uh, and her inspiration and her hope. Um, so I'm excited. She has gotten national attention. There's a there's a documentary that she shares with students, and when she speaks, that that kind of tells her story. She's incredibly articulate and very focused. And as she has learned in her in the aftermath of her injury and her sort of coming to cope with 
herself and then how she can project hope to others. What she's learned is so powerful, and she's so, um, I, I think, confident really and self-assured is a way to talk about it because she, she knows the message that she's sharing. She knows it can save lives. She, she, wants, she wants to touch as many people as she can. And uh, actually, we got done talking with her when we had her on the show. I actually sat down as if she were one of my former employees and write, wrote a, a, a development plan for her and sent it to her because I think she has incredible talent beyond what she even is aware of. I mean, I could see her as a national news anchor wow. for a major network or something like that and let let that let her find her gift in doing that and by increasing the 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 her, the awareness that she creates by doing a great job at something like that, then she can use her voice to touch others in the process and sure. Um, you know, she'll find her way. I think she's thinking about psychology or something like that. Um, there's no doubt she'll make a she'll make a gigantic difference. But when you put all these voices together on Friday, I think it will it will go a long way toward helping destigmatize the issues around health care. Somebody said that we excuse me, mental health care. What someone said we I think it was Paige Roberts said we ought to talk about emotional security and 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 maybe mental health. People think about schizophrenia and, and certainly that's part of it, but at the end of the day we're talking about mental wellness is, is what we're really talking about. Hey listen, it has been a pleasure to to spend some time with you, Dr. Ridgeway and Ashley Pearson. Look forward to getting back together again. Likewise, Ricky really yeah. appreciate it. You. you bet, you bet. And we'll uh, we'll see you tomorrow, and hopefully we'll see some of you on Friday at the Hard Rock on Friday morning. You can do a search on it and find all you need to know about it. Have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. Mississippi Media Production.